Are you aware of the fact that there are 24 satellites that are roaming around the world that are part of our defense department? Um, Reagan area era, this got started. These things are <laughs> watching what's happening around the globe. There is something that they do, though, that benefits every one of us in a very direct way. You see this GPS system that you have on your phone that you can have in your car? They utilize these satellites. And in fact, they triangulate your position by bouncing signals off of those same satellites back to earth and it's usually three or four at a time and as you are moving it can actually vary to different ones but it helps to tell where you are on the face of the earth from hundreds of miles out in space down to within 50 feet of where you are here. It is a wonderful thing. Now the Defense Department uses them for a whole lot more. But isn't it wonderful that they give us that opportunity? It really does help. God also gives us his GPS, right? We've been talking about this over the last several weeks. God's positioning system. And as Paul has told us, he placed his own GPS unit inside of us. Colossians 1.27, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, if you were in Sunday school with me this morning, we got onto a side tangent, a very important side tangent, about Jesus being 100% God and 100% human. And that is a mystery. In fact, we debated about that for quite some time, but we're not going to solve it. It is one of those things we have to accept. And yet, when we come into Christ, God gives us the gift of Himself. We call that the Holy Spirit, yes? We have access to the same Spirit. What does that mean? It is a mystery. One reason, I don't know about you, but I know about me. It's a mystery because I know I don't deserve it. Colossians 1.27, just a couple of verses above that. Paul writes, You were once alienated from God when you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. I sin. I expect you do too. The fact that we do what is evil in God's eyes means that we were enemies of God before Christ. 
alienated from him. And we don't deserve what he's given us. Paul writes over in Ephesians 2. He writes this. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. You know, if we take Paul literally here, they may be metaphorical, but take him literally here, what's he saying about those that follow the one that is the king of the air. Does he not use the word spirit there as well? All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, of our flesh. And following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were, by nature, objects of wrath. Objects of whose wrath? God's wrath. Then it says, but. Don't you just love that word? Especially when Paul is getting on us and then he uses the word, But, but because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. When we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming of the ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And friends, we do not deserve his mercy and kindness. But he loves us anyway. That's grace. And he shows us his mercy anyway. And he has placed us in Christ. And in Colossians 1.27 that we read just a minute ago. It says Christ in us becomes our hope. Of glory. You know what that is? That's a mystery. Christ in us, not because we deserve it or we earned it, but because God loves us. Mystery. No other world religion, no other religion in the world teaches that. No other religion teaches that God's love is a gift. Every religious system other than Christianity believes that God never gives anything to humans 
without humans first working for it. Whether it's religious devotion or sacrifice or acts of benevolence or strictly holding to a moral code. In fact, it's kind of a quid pro quo type situation. Heaven is considered a paycheck, something that God owes us. But that is not the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, is exactly the opposite of that. God took the initiative, and he has reached out to us. And then God took our punishment, took our place in the form of Jesus, who is his anointed, the Christ, and placed it on a cross. He has done all that is necessary to reconcile our relationship to him and God put us in Christ and Christ is in us. And we owe him everything. Paul in Ephesians Two, to keep reading there, says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. One thing you'll notice about Paul, if you read what he says in context, Paul rarely talks about grace without talking about faith, our response to that grace. We've talked before when we come into covenant, 100% grace on God's side. Our side of the covenant, we give him 100% of who we are because he's given us 100% of who he is. We're not saved by what we do but we're not saved without it. Do you know why that is? Because the only way we express that we are in covenant is by what we do. 100% grace on his side. Faith, belief to the point of action. We become slaves who are treated as heirs to the kingdom, as sons and daughters as family. But how does this Christ being in us work? Over in 2 Corinthians 5.17 we read, For if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, and the old is gone, and the new has Come. In other words, Paul calls it, he calls it a, a newness of life, right? You know what it is? It's a mystery. I can't explain it. But when we come into covenant with him, 
and he gives us the gift of himself, it changes us. When Christ comes into our lives, we become new. I can only give you bad analogy. But it's kind of like a teenager with their first car. Now, it can be 30 years old. It can be a car that's got more brown rust than it does paint. It can have more dents than the dimples on a golf ball. But that vehicle to them is a new car. It could be a jalopy, but to them, it's brand new. Romans 6, Paul says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism in death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may have a new life, a newness of life. We can come to Christ. We may have a jalopy kind of life. It may be rusted. It may be dented. We may be firing only on five or six cylinders. But he finds worth and value in us. And when his spirit comes into us, we're transformed. We are something new. 1 Peter 3, 18. For Christ died for sins once for all. By the way, that's, that's worth memorizing as well one sacrifice one time for all mankind for all sin that offer is there from that moment from the time God cut covenant in his own flesh he gives that opportunity to us For Christ died for sin once for all, for the the righteous him, for the unrighteous me, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. If you're getting lost, you should be. This is a very Jewish thing of going back and and thinking about a thing and then grabbing it from the Old Testament and then bringing it forward, okay? It's just a Jewish way of thinking. Back in the days when the ark was being built, in it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not through the removal of the dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels and authorities and powers in submission 
to him. It's not the water. I have right here. Just a washcloth. You can tell it's dry, right? Just looking at it. Okay, I put that right here. And I take some water. And I pour it over there. If it's me, it needs a lot of water. And when I bring it out of the water, you know what it is? It's wet. Why is it wet? Because it's not the water, is it? It's not the water. There's got to be something more to it than just water. See, this is a point that, that Peter makes. And we've been, you know, we've been accused of being water regenerationists. That somehow the water does something. No, it doesn't. Obedience to God does something. When we act in faith, what has he promised to do? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes? Okay. The power to transform is not in the water. It is in Jesus. He is the one that comes into our lives and we are filled with with a new life there is a holy spirit that comes to guide and to counsel and we become a new creation we are fundamentally different than we were before even though when I came out of the water I was just as ugly then than I was when I went in it Here's a story about a little girl who was proudly showing off her shiny new golden cross on a chain. Any of you ladies ever ever had a shiny little golden cross on a chain? Some of you guys have. Of course, we tend to go for the rugged nail cross or something like that, right? But she was showing off this, this shiny little chain. And there was a man who saw her and he said, little girl... Don't you know that the cross that Jesus died on wasn't pretty or beautiful like that thing that you have around your neck? It was an ugly wooden thing. And the little girl thought about it a second. She looked up and she smiled and she said, Yes, you're right, but you know what they taught me in Sunday school? That anything Jesus touches, he changes. Whatever Jesus touches... He changes. I know people who have had to battle some really strong addictions, things that called to them for years after they gave it up. 
Many of them still live in in a fear of relapse, although through time, even that tends to back off a little bit. But that fear that somehow the addiction's going to take them over, that's going to consume them like a wild beast. But the thing is, addiction cannot separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Only we can do that. We have to decide what or who is going to be Lord of our life. Lord, master, every bit of a master English slave language in English. Who is going to be Lord? Who is going to be in control? You see, when Jesus is Lord, nothing has the power to pull us away from him unless we give in to it. Now, I am not saying that there may not be things that you deal with that you need help and prayer, perhaps even medical intervention to help you with. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying you always have a choice. Some days it's five minutes at a time. Some days it's one minute at a time. But don't give up your right to make a better choice. Maybe what you're dealing with is not some sort of strong physical addiction. Maybe it's addiction to a habit. Maybe it's an addiction to a way of thinking. Maybe it's that you fill your mind with other things than things of God. And you have a decision to make. And maybe you have to make that decision a day at a time or five minutes at a time. But we all have to decide who or what is going to be Lord of our life. And friends, we do not need to fear our past temptation or sin, not even death. You remember the 23rd Psalm, remember what it says? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you know what the rod and the staff are? You think about it in terms of sheep, right? The rod was the prodding rod to move in the right direction. The staff, the big things, often with some kind of a hook that they could use if a lamb fell over a cliff to hook and to bring back to safety. Yes? That's guidance. That's discipline in the way of teaching. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When David was writing this, I'm sure you're thinking, yeah, the Philistines or maybe even Saul trying to kill him, right? But who are your enemies? What are your enemies? Is this table prepared in the presence of your enemies today? God prepares a place for us in this world without necessarily taking away the things that come against us. He gives us himself. Is that not enough? Surrounded by our enemies... God invites us, come, sit, eat, share life with me. Don't be concerned about that because you are in me and I am in you. So friend, be encouraged that nothing in this world Nothing that this world can throw at you can separate you from God's grace that has been given to you through the cross. But friend, if you are still trying to live life on your own terms, then you will face God's judgment on your own terms as well. We cannot say that we love Jesus and still live a dishonest life. We cannot say that I'll live for him who died for me and still make alcohol or drugs or sex or ourselves Lord of our lives. We cannot say, king of my life, I crown thee now and say, stay out of my life, you're cramping my style. Doesn't work that way. For God to cover us, Christ must be in us. Galatians 3.27 All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed. You have put on Christ. You have clothed yourself with Christ. And you see... When Christ is in the waters, we're changed. Father God, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the blood. And we thank you, Father, that you loved us enough not just to create us, but you loved us enough that you refused to leave us in this world alone, that if we choose you, that you will give us not only your mercy and grace, but you will give us yourself.
We thank you, Father, that you're giving us opportunity today, this week, to allow us to choose you. As we move into this time of decision, this time of dedication, this call of action, we pray, Father, that you will listen to our hearts, that you will forgive us, and that you will continue to equip us to do your good work. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.